Welcome to Commander L Podcast, featuring powerful messages by Commander L, founder and pastor of the Kingdom Ambassadors, a movement dedicated to steering young people of Africa and the world, bringing a revolutionary message and showcasing God's existence in today's advanced world. Listen and be blessed. Three reasons why this is important. Three reasons why this is important. This meaning that why we gather to hear the word of God, why we gather to learn. Three reasons why it's important. Actually, I wrote down two, but Chief gave the first one, so I've made it three. So the first one is that we gather to feed. Yes. When he said it, it just hit my spirit so much. Yes. He says, give us this their daily bread. You know, the Bible says that blessed is the servant who gives the master's children their due food at the right time. For when his master comes to find him doing that, he will be well pleased in him. So in, in other words, God is very excited when I prepare a sermon or I have a message or I, something drops in my spirit and I come and teach you. It makes God happy. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by everywhere that proceeds from the mouth of the Father. One time he said something. He said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. So there is a man aspect of you that is subject to the limitations of man. But there is another aspect, another nature of you that is, that is open to impossibilities. That is open to what we call grace. The impossible happening. Something you don't qualify for becoming present in your life. Something that is not in your family. You dear, you will do it normal. There is that aspect of you that is available. So the man aspect of you lives on physical food. But that aspect of you that is open to such prowess such graces that side feeds on the word of God so the more you want to experience God's grace God's glory God's power and everything you've got to feed you've got to grow that self first Peter 2 2 he says that as newborn babies desire the sincere milk of the word that you will grow thereby then the NLT says that so that you can enjoy the full package of salvation so so there is so much in store for you but feeding on the word of God grows that aspect of you so you can experience the realities of being a believer. So that's number one reason why this is important. Number two is that we pastors do what we do so that you don't live as underprivileged citizens of God's kingdom. We pastors, we do what we do so that you don't live as underprivileged citizens of God's kingdom. John 18, that's 6, quickly. John 18, 36. John chapter 18, verses 36. Jesus answered, My kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. Read it from the King James. Yes, please. King James. <laughs> Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight. Then would my servants fight. That I should not be de delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. But now is my kingdom not from hence. So Jesus Christ understood his privileges as a kingdom citizen. He understood he was. So when they arrested him, he said something. He said, this is not my kingdom. If it were, you can't lay hand on me. He understood. Like, 
he understood that this is who I am and this is something that is my privilege so by the time you are able to touch me God has been fully allowed and it's because I'm not in my kingdom imagine telling that to Herod you are the one in okay they weren't half handcuffs at that time but you were the one you know you were the prisoner you were in chains thank you shackles so you were the one in shackles and chains and you are the one standing as a prisoner and you are the one that the crowd is waiting outside to crucify and you look at Herod and tell him sorry Pilate and tell Pilate straight to the face that listen this is not my kingdom if it was you you wouldn't be able to touch me so that is somebody who understands who he is period I remember Reverend Sasu, we went to, went to town to go and do something. And then when we were coming back, just a normal mache boy just walked up to him. Like somebody who just, like, you know, a thief walked up to him, pulled out a knife and then said, bring your food. Me, my first instinct was to run. That's why God gave us legs. But the man of God was standing there. He wasn't moving. So I'm wondering in my head, I'm like, ah, okay, boss has not run. Who am I, who am I to run? And then he looked at the kwashi boy in the in the face let me say in the eye and told him this is not a story i heard that i'm telling you he looked in the eye and told him that the phone there i can give you but can you handle it he said the phone i can give it to you watch this the phone i can give it to you but can you handle it? that's not the this the real thing is coming he said this the i can give it to you but can you handle it and the guy was looking at him so confused and then he said, bring the phone. And then his hand was shaking. The, the closer the phone gets, the more his hand weighs down. And then the guy just turned and ran at a point. So that was somebody who understood his privileges as a kingdom citizen. I told Chief about the story of Pastor Justice, one of my spiritual fathers. We went for camp at PCC. And then a scorpion bit somebody. In fact, it wasn't just somebody, it was one of his pastors. Charlie was the first time I'd seen somebody bitten by a scorpion. The man was crying like a child. Like literally, it was something that when you see it, when you're walking, you, you'll be, your heart will be beat. Every step, you check if there is a scorpion. The thing bit and he was in pain. You could see it. And he was screaming from outside. And we had just gone on a break. And they were waiting for a car to take him. What, what, what? But Justice walks out. Daddy walks out. He looks at him, he says, what's going on there? Very gentleman. He says, what's going on there? He says, daddy, this, what has happened? This, 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 He put his hand there, and then this was the prayer. Burn. He said, burn. Yes, he said, burn. Then he took off his hand, and this man was still crying. Guys, God is my witness. Pastor, just stand and walk down. This man was still crying, and the pain, like, he was crying, and his tone was just coming down, coming down. And then everybody just started blowing tongues. Some of us were at the back, so we couldn't see. <laughs> couldn't see what we were also trying to see. The place the scorpion bit had become black, like a sword that was healed. Like it became black. That is somebody who understands his privileges in the kingdom. You cannot touch him. You cannot touch them. I remember one time, um, up the Mampong Hill, the Anakazo, you know up from the junction, Royal East Junction to Anakazo. Very dark, bushy, straight long road. And then there were a group of people who were ahead of Pastor Eliva and then a group who were behind her. And then we were on phone praying together. She said she was afraid so she called me and we were praying together as she was walking. Now, 
she's walking she gets to the gate and some people are there crying the girls are crying the boys are worried what is happening the people in front said we're robbed we're robbed now she's behind them she didn't see that happen they said we're robbed our phones and everything have been taken away from us then as they are talking the matter the people behind come and say we've been robbed so in front of her robbed behind her robbed nothing she walked so I'm saying that one of the reasons why we do what we do is so that you will not live under you will not be underprivileged citizens there's there's so much entitled to you as a believer because you don't belong to this kingdom but we have to teach you to understand the privileges and the great things that come with the kingdom you belong to you have to understand it so that you can enjoy it you, you can live it do you understand all right the second thing is that we are obliged to give to God what belongs to him we are obliged to give to God oh that, this is the third right we are obliged to give to God what belongs to him check Matthew 22 16 for me okay so should we all read together no, it's a lot. Let me just read. <laughs> and they sent unto him, Charlie, I beg NLT. I'm not fluent in King James. <laughs> they sent some of their disciples along with the supporters of Herod to meet with him. Teacher, they said, we know how honest you are. You teach the way of God truth truthfully. You are impartial and don't play favorites. Okay. 17. Now tell us what you think about this. Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Is it right? Now tell us what you think about this is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not now this is very 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 some way the guy was running the move of God he said the kingdom of God has come this that, that he was saying big things they came to ask him a simple question commander I have lectures and it's time for a service do I go for the lectures why come for service but the reason why they asked him that was because they wanted to test him because Jesus had talked about how the kingdom of God is at the top of the priority list and that how can you miss a meeting <laughs> and he had said all the powerful things that happened in the meeting that we feed and that we don't want you to be underprivileged citizens and so they asked him so which one do we choose lectures or privileged citizens <laughs> let's go 18 but Jesus knew their evil motives. Ooh. You hypocrites, he said. Why are you trying to trap me? Child, I can't believe he used the word. Like, I mean, he wasn't speaking English, but it's nice to know Jesus used the word trap. Wow. Why are you trying to trap me? <laughs> you know? Then let's continue. I feel if Jesus was in our time, you'd be very guile. Here. Now, this is what Jesus is saying. He says, here, show me the coin used for the tax. He says, show me the coin used for the tax. So they gave him the coin. Then he says, when they handed him a Roman coin, he asked, whose picture and title are stamped on it? 21. Caesar's, they replied. Well then, he said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and to God what belongs to him. Now, that's incomplete. That's 100% incomplete. Because the question asked was, what was stamped and sealed on the coin? And they said, Caesar's image. Then he says, then give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. But obviously, the next question for this verse of scripture is, where then 
is God's image stamped. Because you are saying that the only reason why we should give to Caesar what belongs to him is because his image is stamped on something. Then if you are saying, you are talking about tax, you should have ended by saying, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Then we know we are done. But then, master, you added, and to God what belongs to God. In other words, you expect a follow-up question, which is then, where is God's image stamped? Genesis 1, 26, and God said, let us make man in our own image after our likeness. So, watch this. If this thing had continued, like how Jesus used to do with the disciples, he would say a parable and then leave loopholes for questions. And when they go and ask the questions in private, he would say it is given to you to understand. So serious people ask questions after meetings. So Jesus says, and give to God what belongs to God. What is God's image stamped on? On the person. On the person asking the question. On the person answering the question. On the crowd over there. In other words, give the coin back to Caesar. But here is what I want to tell you. While you are giving the coin to him, remember, everything about your life belongs to God. Including the coin you just gave to Caesar. He told them what they could hear. He didn't tell them what he wanted them to hear. So we are obliged. It is an obligation of Christianity to give to God what belongs to him. Guess what belongs to God? This. Everything about Fred belongs to God. He's supposed to give it all back to him. We don't keep the coins. It belongs. So we always keep letting it go. But the thing is that you to you belong to God because his image is stamped on you. So we are obliged to give all of us back to him. In other words, your primary motive for doing everything in life, the course you are studying, the lectures you are going, everything is God. You do not separate God from your academics. You know, you have to learn the wisdom to be able to separate your academics from your spiritual life. And you see, reading from the surface, you thought that was what Jesus was saying. But in reality, what he was saying was that your academics is part of your spiritual life. He says God is not an item to put him on a priority list that God first. God is not first. He's the paper on which the list is being written. So don't put him first. Everything about your life belongs to God. Every dream, every vision, everything that you've, you seem to be embarking on, whichever space you find yourself in. If you are a plumber, you are a caterer, you are a politician, you are a banker, you are a businessman, you are a painter, whatever it is that you do, everything about you belongs to God. And so we are here so that we can learn how to give what we have and who we are to God. That's why we gather here. So now going back to the 16th, you see, we're in a special time in this season. And what worked for Peter and Co. will not work for Obed, for Blessing, for Rodaling, for Erajua. It won't work for us. Because the message remains the same, but the method of delivery must change. The message remains the same, that the kingdom of God is at hand and that I'm the Messiah, I've come to save you. But at Peter's place, it was cast the net. By Jacob's well, it was give me water to drink. At Zacchaeus' place, it's let's go for a party. Today I must dine at your. So the delivery, the method of communicating that same gospel will definitely change. 
So in this season, God is not expecting us. You see, there was an expectation of God from your mother and your mother's mother. The pastor who pastored your mother may, I didn't say cannot, I said may not, may not, and I'm emphasizing on the may, I beg you. I'm a mayborn, but it's not, that's not the reason. I'm saying that may not, and I'm louding it, may not, may not be the one to pastor you. Why? Because the demands of God for him, for his generation, for his time, is not the same as the demands of God for you. Listen, a lot of your parents had to be spiritual. That's why there had to be so many churches built. That's why there had to be so many branches. That's why the commitment to the Pentecost and the Assemblies of God and all the other churches, please cut this fight out, and all the other churches had to be there so that your parents can have a grounded foundation to raise you up as far as your foundation is concerned in the Lord. But then, Solomon says one generation passes and another one comes. No generation crisscrosses. Every generation has its own agenda and God will raise its own men. Moses died with his generation. Joshua raised his own. So, Moses' generation was able to deliver the people from Egypt. But it had to take Joshua's generation to lead the people into the promised land. Listen, can I share something with you? No, not share, just say something. The children of Israel were free from Egypt, but they weren't delivered from Egypt. They were free from Egypt, but they weren't delivered from Egypt. Moses was able to take them out of Egypt, but he wasn't able to take Egypt out of them. So when they got to the promised land, they just could not see what God was saying. It took Joshua, the son of man, it took him to be able to see what the Lord was saying. Because the Bible says, Joshua would follow Moses to the tabernacle and wait for him outside. Moses would go in there and fellowship would go from morning to evening. And when Moses left, the Bible says, and Joshua would remain there. The guy spent time with God. Saw, experienced, felt. The guy was locked up in the visions of the Lord. Can you imagine that one time God told Moses, I'm coming up the mountain. Bring the elders. In fact, bring the entire nation of Israel to stand at the base of the mountain. But no one should touch it because it's, it's holy. They did that. Then Moses, God said, Moses, now take the 70 elders of the house of Israel. Bring them with you up the mountain. But only to the first level of the mountain. When they got, The elders who were anointed just like Moses was. When they got to the base, God said, now all of them should stop with you. They says, now you and Joshua come. That's amazing. Joshua went up with Moses. And at a point, he too, he stopped there. Now Moses continued. But the point is that even Moses couldn't enter the promised land. He didn't, he didn't know what was in there. In fact, do you know that when they got to the promised land and the, the guys, the, the rest of the Israelian spies said that we cannot enter. Do you know Moses was quiet? He was afraid. He believed them too. He was shaking too. And the Bible says the children of Israel, they got angry and wanted to beat Moses and Aaron. And they were shaking. And then the Bible says, Joshua silenced the crowd. Joshua, he silenced the crowd. He and Caleb silenced the crowd and said, Men, what are you trying to say? That, that we are grasshoppers in their side? No, we are well able to overcome the land. Then, then they added, they said, In fact, we should go now. They didn't have an army. 
They said, we should go now. Because he said, they are defenseless, but as the Lord is on our side. It took people who seemed to be extreme and outrageous to be able to usher the people into the promised land. But they weren't extreme. They weren't outrageous. It's because that was the vision and the agenda of God for that time. All the guys who couldn't flow with it, they all died in the desert. Joshua entered with the people. So a lot of you, God has brought you into a generation and has given you your Joshua's. Your Joshua's are certain visionary men of God that God has given you in this time. Listen to me. For a man of God in this time, your assignment is not to preach salvation alone. For a man of God in this time, your assignment is to raise citizens of the kingdom. Is to raise people who understand what it means to take the pulpit to the workplace. But what we are dealing with in our time, I appreciate what you are doing, but it won't work for us. In fact, it will be a big turn off for our generation. God bless you for your strategy, but please, it won't work for us. Moses' time will be walking. Israelites, uh, Egyptians will be coming. They'll raise stuff and see will part. And they'll, they'll move through. And then it will close. Joshua's generation, when the enemies are coming, they draw a sword. They, they don't wait. They, you know, one time they were fighting. Fighting, fighting, fight. Joshua's generation, they were fighting the enemy, fighting the enemy. The Jews, their Sabbath, their Sabbath day, they are not supposed to do any work. And they were fighting on Friday evening. Sabbath day starts for them on Saturday. But the Jewish day starts from the evening to the morning. Because in Genesis 1, when God was creating, he said an evening and morning were the first day. So their morning starts in the evening and their evening is in the morning. You get it? So 6 o'clock, 6 p.m. is the start of the new day. So Friday, 6 o'clock, Friday sundown is Saturday. Joshua and Cole were fighting Friday evening. So that Friday, 6 o'clock begins Saturday. It's Sabbath. Meaning as they were fighting, all of them were to drop their sword immediately because they are not supposed to work. Instead of the guy praying that Father cause us to win the battle now, he does not his prayer. He said, he said, and Joshua the son of God commanded that the sun should stand still. And it did until they, they won the battle. And then it continued setting. It's like Saturday will not come until we kill these people. Watch this. Moses' time, the whole thing was about priestly garments and um, the anointing flowing from the Aaron's head to his beard to the hem of his skirt. Joshua's generation, they were sharpening knife. No, they were sharpening. If there was any power, we used to stop their son and fight with our strength. Hey! No, Joshua's generation, they were ruthless, almost as if God didn't exist. But their people were mightily backed by God's power. Don't joke. God's power was really, the anointing was not to see visions. The anointing was that whatever their hands found to do, they did it relentlessly. You see that they are doing you are, they are doing what you are doing, but you are not getting the results they are getting. You see that you and them started a company at the same time, but for some strange reason, their own is moving through every national crisis, every everything, and then at a point you are starting to wonder what are you doing differently? And the truth is they can't tell you because every fiscal strategy you are using is what they are also using, but there is an unseen element to them, and so in this generation, God needs a militant church too. 